for example, last year the theme was beyond. And I, I believe we saw many beyond moments uh, within our own lives, with the lives of our church. And uh, I'm very thankful. And um, our giving was amazing. And I, I, I know I prompt, well, it's a new year, so I can do that. I told you I wouldn't uh, do anything about our give to grow. But uh, I just can't hold it any longer. You'll hear it in a couple weeks. But uh, with your giving that you continued through the end of the year, and the investments that, that we have, we have that in a, a, a CD, if you will, that, that draws interest. So that way it's not just sitting in a bank, sitting doing nothing, but it draws interest. And uh, so with the interest payments, we are now over $120,000 that this church has given and God has blessed. And I say thank you from bottom of my heart. That's a beyond giving. I, I have a graphic designer that we work with on these themes. He's the one that works with us and makes those uh, uh, progress things that you see every time and you see it grow. And, and he just started the, the, the graph this year that we'll be uh, doing. He started that at 115000 because that was our goal. I got to tell him to go change it because we, we need to at least start it where, it's, where it is. Uh, but I'm very thankful for that. I want you to put up that, that, that invest theme this year. I believe that I have heard from the Lord and I am convinced that this year needs to be a year that you invest in the kingdom of God. You'll see three words under there and these three words are going to be a sermon tonight, next Sunday, and then the following Sunday, which brings us to the end of January. I believe that it is absolutely imperative that you and I invest our time, we invest our talent, and we invest our treasure in the kingdom of God. And so tonight, as we do our communion service, I want to talk to you a little bit about the importance of investing your time in the kingdom of God. And uh, I, I plan this to be a standalone service, but we, we also wanted to have communion. But yet, the more that I look, the more I begin to see the elements of communion and the elements of consecration, that it fits this, and I want to do that. You can be seated, if you will. Um, for many of you, this will make a lot of sense. When I was a child, I laughed and wept, and time crept. When I was a youth, I dreamed and talked, and time walked. Later, when I became a full-grown man, time, it ran. Later, as I grew older, or later, as I older grew, time flew. And soon, I shall find while traveling on, time gone. Any of you brave enough to say that the older you get, the faster time moves? If you don't believe me, when I was a kid, Christmas seemed like it came every 10 years. Now as an adult, Christmas comes every couple of months, it seems. It just is amazes me. I... I, I look at, at my grandparents and, and, and look at the life that they lived and realize that I, according to my grandparents, uh, in, the li in, the, in the length of time that they have lived, I have not yet lived half of my life, if you will. But yet, it seems that the last 10 years of my life have flown by. It's hard to believe just to, to look and realize that now, in 2018, I have a 14-year-old and a 5-month-old and while it seems that, that it will take forever, oh yes, I also have a 10-year-old girl. She's giving me that look like, why'd you forget me? I love you, Zoe. 
I was just simply showing you the oldest and the youngest, and you got thrown in the middle. But, oh, forgive me, Zoe. Although they say that's what happens. The middle child begins to be forgotten. Any middle children in the house that could testify to that, you get forgotten. I won't forget you. You're my only girl, so there you go. But it is amazing how life flies. Uh, Arnold Bennett wrote this. He said, time is the inexplicable raw material of everything. With it, all is possible. Without it, nothing. The supply of time is truly a daily miracle, an affair genuinely astonishing when one examines it. You wake up in the morning and lo, your purse is magically filled with 24 hours of the unmanufactured tissue of the universe of your life. It is yours. It is the most precious of possessions. If you will, no one can take it away from you. No one can steal it. No one receives more or less than what you receive each day. Moreover, you cannot draw upon its future. It's impossible to get into debt with your time. You simply can only waste the passing moment. You cannot waste tomorrow. It is kept for you. You cannot waste the next hour. It is kept for you. You have to live this 24 hours of daily time. Out of that time that you get when you wake up, you will spin. And I use that both in the words of like spinning and weaving and also spending with money. You will spin health and pleasure and money and content and respect. And even, if you will, your immortal soul is affected by that time. In its right use, in its most effective use, it's the matter of highest urgency and of the most thrilling actuality. All depends on that. Your happiness, the exclusive prize that you are clutching for, depends on time. One, if one cannot arrange that income that you receive of 24 hours a day, and if they do not arrange for that to exactly cover all of the proper items of expenditure, one does muddle one's whole life indefinitely, for you will never have any more time. You have and will always have the time there is. Now, I know that was a handful. And in today's Twitterverse where we want to put things in just a few sentences, some of you kind of glazed over. But that's how proper English says it. Time is of the essence. I would tell you today that time is the most important thing you have. Not your money, not your possessions, but your time and how you spend it. The great 19th century naturalist and Harvard professor Louis Agassiz once was approached by an emissary of a learned society and was invited to address its members. This man, Agassiz, designed the invitation saying that lectures of that took too much of his time that he would rather devote to research and writing. The man, the emissary of that uh, learned society persisted and said, Oh, we will pay you whatever you want if you'll come and lecture us. This was Agassiz's reply. That is no inducement to me. I cannot afford to waste my time making money. Think about that for a second. I cannot afford to waste my time making money. 
someone unknown, I don't know who it was, and I, but I've heard it before, said, we must master our minutes or we become slaves to them. You use time or time will use you. You've heard me uh, uh, talk about it, preach about it. I think I've even sung it once. The old Frank Sinatra song that says, and now my end is near and I face my final curtain. And he begins to look over his life and while it's a beautiful song, the, 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 the outcome and the decision that he came with is awful because he said he did it his way and I'm afraid he found out when he drew his last breath that our way doesn't cut it. It only matters did you do it his way. Did you take care of the time that God gave you and use it for him? How do I know that? Because the book of Psalms says this, Psalms 90 and verse 12, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I have been, and, and, and again, I, I, know, I know you've heard me say it and you're probably sick of me, but I, I've been doing a daily reading of, of, of the book of Proverbs, or if you're like me, sometimes I do two days of reading because I messed up the day before, so it's okay. Uh, but I've been doing the story of Proverbs and, and looking at that, and this is what I found, Brother Perryman. I'm convinced, in fact, we know that most of Proverbs, in fact, uh, probably 98% of Proverbs was written by King Solomon. And while I may not know this exactly, as I look at all of the things that Solomon wanted to invest back into his son, I believe that Solomon wrote this at the end of his life. Because, and, and just to show you, there's a lot of verses. In fact, I'm, I'm starting now. I'm, I'm into my fourth reading of the book of Proverbs, uh, you know, in a continual manner. And so now I'm catching on to where it is. And I'm starting to say, oh, I saw that somewhere else. And I make a note. I want you to go back and look at the book of Proverbs all the times that he says, it is better to live alone or it's better to live on a roof than with a nagging woman. All right? It, it, he talks a lot about the dangers of a prostitute. I think you spoke from experience. If you got 400 wives and a bunch of concubines, he understood what he was talking about. He said, I wasted a lot of my time. But there's a, a place in the book of Proverbs, I don't have it in front of me and, and unfortunately can't remember, but there's a place in the Proverbs that basically kind of sums it up like Frank Sinatra summed it up. He says, I, I did it my way and my way failed. I would think that if you could get Solomon in a room right now, he would tell you, I wasted a lot of my time and of all the money and of all the wisdom and of all of the things I had, what I wish I could have had back was my time. And so because of that, I would bring you to the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and and, and, and if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there. I'm going to read it quickly. I want to read a lot of it just because I want you to see. This is uh, Paul, and, and it's towards the end of Ephesians, and he is going to kind of just give you a whole, a whole list of how you should act uh, living for God. So I want you to just kind of see it. Let me read it fast. And be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ hath also loved us hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness, let it not once be named among you as becometh saints, 
Neither filthiness or foolish talking or jesting, which are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. For you know that no whoremonger nor unclean person uh, or covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. So be not ye therefore partakers with them. For you were sometimes darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. It is a shame to even speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But of all things that are reproved, they are made manifest by the light, that whosoever does make manifest is light. Therefore he has say, wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Here's what I'm getting at. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but be understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine where is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. There was a lot of talk of being together, a lot of talk of singing songs and hymns. And while you can worship the Lord driving down the highway in your car, I will tell you that most of us get a better move of God when we come together and worship one with another than we do all by ourselves. The time you spend in the house of God is never wasted time. It's time that builds. It's time that you invested. And I have learned that investments within God's economy reap rewards greater than you could ever have if you invested on your own. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2 It's similar, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Wherewithal, praying for us all, that God would open a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those that are without, redeeming the time. That word redeeming, that word redeeming and that phrase redeeming the time if you begin to kind of look up the, the, the understanding of that, it would be something along this. Redeem the time. Buy the time. Make a good use of the opportunity that you have. Work urgently with the time that you have. Use your time with intensity and with urgency. Redeem the time. You and I, God knows, and, and, and if you, and hopefully none of you uh, do this, but if you follow mythology, mythology, if you follow some, I don't remember if it's the Greek or the Romans, but you have what they call the fates. There were three fates. One of the fates spun uh, on a spinning wheel, spun the length or, or begin to spin the fabric of your existence, your time, if you will. The second fate would determine how long your, your life string would be 
and the third fate would cut that string. I don't believe that at all. But what I do believe is that there is a God in heaven that knows the moment in which you are conceived and at that exact same moment knows the moment in which you will draw your last breath. What are you going to do with your time? What will you do with your time? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, a very familiar portion of Scripture 1 that we use in so many different manners. But would you please let me use this in the understanding of your time. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We, we have talked and it's no, 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 um, it, it's no secret that this church and the, work, and, and the ministry of God and the work of God exists on you giving in the offering. If you don't give, we don't have money to pay the light bill and we don't have money to do the things we want to do. There's no money to help do the, 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 the activities and make sure that the... the, the uh, some of you were asking why the um, drinking fountain was unplugged. It's because last night or yesterday I walked by it and I put my hand on it and it was boiling. And I took a drink out of it and it was like drinking boiling water. And I said, you know, something's wrong with this here thing. So I unplugged it. Because you gave, I can get someone in that might can fix it. Unless one of you so happens to know how to work on a, on a uh, uh, water uh, fountain. I don't. But that's what it is. But we always tell you, and, and, and you've heard this when it comes to giving your tithes, your first fruits. That God will allow you to do more with the 90% that you keep than with the 100% if you didn't give your tithes. And I have found it to be true. When I don't give my tithes, that money that I thought was I had seems to just fritter away and it's like my pockets had holes in them. But it's amazing. When I give God my tithes first, now this is for a whole other sermon, but I want you to listen for a moment. When I give God my tithes first, God says, I'm going to bless the 90% that you have left, and I'm going to let you do more with that 90 than you did with a selfishly withheld 100%. Everybody with me? Can I tell you that that principle is true with your time? If you would learn that coming to church and coming into the kingdom of God and coming to a prayer meeting and a, and a lady's prayer or a lady's activity or if you sing in the choir, you come to practice and whatever time you invest in the kingdom of God, if you teach a Bible study, if you pick somebody up for church, if you go help somebody, the time that you invested is not wasted but rather God will say what you give to me I will bless the remainder of your time and you'll be able to do more and greater things with what you have left over because you first sought the kingdom I am saddened in my life when I watch people ignore the investment of their time while I believe there is a biblical precedent of investing our finances in the kingdom of God, of paying tithes, of giving offerings, I will tell you today that if that is the only thing you do for the kingdom, your life will not be as, as, as beneficial and it will not be as, as uh, uh, good as you thought it could be and you will end your life with regret. But if you will learn to invest your time in the kingdom of God, you will find that he will make your life incredible I, we don't have long church services I promise you 
If you think we have long church services, I'm going to take you to some other places where they really have long church services. The hour and 15 minutes to the hour and 30 minutes that we spend in our church services, you're not wasting that. When we take some time and we don't push through the songs as fast as we ought to and we take a moment and just let some music play and let worship begin to fill this house, that is not a waste of time but instead it is an investment of your time and when you invest your time, the dividends pay out. Tom Bernard writes an incredible uh, newsletter and it's now digital uh, and you can get it called Friday evenings and, th- and, and I think it may even he has one called Tuesday morning I believe that he's done if you really saw all the notes from all the sermons you'd find a lot of Tom Bernard's quotes and things in it I enjoy what he has to say but he wrote of an author uh, Faye uh, uh, Angus that said that uh, she had attended a weekend retreat at a Christian conference center in Southern California When she checked in at the registration desk, she was given a small glass container wrapped in decorative paper. She was told to unwrap the package and read the directions taped to them, and she opened it. And when she did, uh, Faye discovered that it was a small baby food jar containing a walnut, and around and surrounding that walnut and filled to the brim were grains of rice. And the directions read as follows. The walnut in this jar represents the time we spend with God. The rice represents the time we spend with other things. If you pour the rice into the empty jar first and then try to insert the walnut, it will not fit. The rice will take up too much space. But if you put the walnut in the empty jar first, then pour the rice around it, there will be sufficient room for everything. Likewise, if you spend your time doing other things first, you will never find time to spend with God. But if you spend time with God first, there will always be enough time for everything else. Time is important. One translation of Matthew chapter 6 says this, Set your mind on God's kingdom and his justice before everything else. And all the rest will come to you as well. I don't know any more way to to explain this. I know I'm preaching to the choir. You're here almost every Sunday night. You're faithful. But can I just tell you that many times we look at the enemy's attacks as something more nefarious. We look at something more demonic. We're waiting for him to come and hit us with every demonic attack in the world. But one of the greatest attacks of the enemy is to whisper in your ear, you don't have enough time. I might not be preaching one God, but I know I'm preaching the word of God. I might not be preaching something you want to shout and clap for, but listen to me, parents. You cannot afford to not take time to teach your children the things of God. It saddens me when parents say, I just don't have enough time to bring them early for a youth activity, or I don't have enough time to invest in the kingdom of God, but yet I see other things on Facebook or Twitter that you've spent your time investing, and I've been pastor long enough to know this there will be a day that you'll come back if you so choose and you'll say pastor what happened and I will look at you with tears in my eyes and I will tell you you wasted your time you cannot afford to not take time in the house of God time is of the essence oh sure there's times I don't want to come and y'all pay me to come to church 
I remember when Sister Mays was here and she would have to go into the hospital or in the convalescent home and I would come and visit her and she'd say, oh, Pastor, you're too busy to come see me. And I finally just started looking at her, Sister Kay, and I said, Sister Mays, do you pay your tithes? And she said, yes, sir. I said, then you pay me to come visit you at the hospital. You pay me to come to church. But even then, sometimes I don't want to. Sometimes that devil whispers, you don't have enough time. What's it going to be? And then I realize, if I seek first the kingdom of God, if I give him my time first, I'll have plenty of time to go fishing. I'll have plenty of time to go hunting. I'll have plenty of time to hang with my kids. I'll have plenty of time to work and invest in other things. But I've got to give my time to him first. You say, Pastor, how does all of this apply to communion today? Well, we call this service not necessarily our communion service, but our consecration service. And I begin to look through this again. And if you have your Bibles, you're more than welcome to turn with me. I would, I would invite you to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 26 and look at verse 17. There are other places. Luke and Mark also refer to this Passover supper, this last supper of Jesus. But as I begin to look at it, I begin to look look past and I don't mean that in a that that I overlooked it but many times we let communion just be a time about God's sacrifice and 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 what Jesus did on the cross and the blood that was shed but I want to show you today that communion is far more than even that now it's because of what he did on the cross that allows us to do what we're going to do tonight the book of 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 Matthew chapter 26, and now on the first day, and again, I'm reading the English Standard Version. On the first day of the unleavened bread, that's Passover, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us to prepare, to you to prepare for you to eat the Passover? Jesus said, go into the city, go to a certain man, say unto him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. The, Je- the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Let me back up and explain to you what the Passover is. Some of you may not understand that. Uh, when, when the children of Israel were in bondage for over 400 years in Egypt, And Moses came, and you have the ten plagues of Egypt, where Moses said, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh kept hee-hawing around and and saying, I don't really know. And finally, that tenth plague was going to be the plague where the death angel or God himself was going to go through the land, and he was going to take, they were going to die, the firstborn of every family. And it was that God had told the Israelites, you need to go kill a lamb, you need to take the blood of the lamb and you need to paint it over the doors of your household, both sides, the top, and anyone that's under the blood is going to be saved. Those that are outside the blood are going to experience death. But it was more than just that. He said, but then I want you to take that lamb and I want you to cook it. And he gave them specific ways to cook it. I want you to use unleavened bread, bread that doesn't have time to rise because when that happen, happens when, and, and, and Egypt loses uh, all of their firstborn, they're going to tell you to leave and you need to just pack it up and be ready to go because when God delivers you, don't wait around. That's a whole other sermon just in case you're wondering. When God delivers you, don't wait around. Because you found that even though God delivered them, they got to the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army still caught up with them. And thankfully God brought them through. But can you imagine if they'd have waited long enough in there, they'd have never got out. Don't uh, hang around when God says go. That one's free. 
But uh, the children of Israel, they were to take that lamb that they had slaughtered and they were to cook it and they were to cook bread and they were to eat that and it says it was Passover. And they were to do this every year at that same time. They were to take and they were to eat a meal with their family, with their households, even with, with other neighbors if some didn't have a lamb or, or maybe their lamb was bigger than what they need. Gather together and eat and remember that God delivered you out of Egypt and for thousands upon thousands of years they kept that tradition. But then Jesus comes and it's the same thing. They think it's Passover. When it was evening, verse 20 of Matthew 26, he reclined at the table with the twelve and when they were eating he said, Truly I say unto you, one of you will betray me. They were sorrow and began to say to him one after another, Is it I? Am I the one? Is it I? And he answered, It will be he who has dipped his hand in the dish that will betray me. Son of man goes as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? And Jesus said to him, You have said so. I want to tell you that first off, the Passover and the Lord's Supper is not about a personal relationship per se with you and God. It's about the body of Christ. Jesus brought them all together with their warts and their problems. One was going to betray, one was going to deny, one was going to follow him as close as he could. But all of them partook of the supper they were together here because the Lord's Supper is meant to be shared. It's time that is spent. And I know we do it this way, a little piece of bread, a little glass of juice. But in reality, it was always designed to be a dinner. Time spent. As they were eating, Jesus took the bread. After blessing it, he broke it and he gave the disciples and he said, Take and eat, for this is my body. And as he broke that bread, and they had seen him break bread and multiply it, but this was different. He broke that bread, he gave it to them, and they took time to eat it. He said, I want you to remember. They didn't understand it exactly. Later on they would, but he was saying, remember what's going to happen. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks again, he gave it to them, and he said, drink it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. He says, I, will tell you, I, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. I'm getting somewhere. Time. <clears throat> and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I shall smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never Fall away. Jesus said unto him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all of the other disciples said the same. Now I would like to think that I would be like Peter. Ain't a chance I'm going to deny you. Lord, I will stick with you no matter what happens. Now, Peter had no idea what was going to come. But if Peter did, what Peter was saying was, I'll go to you to the temple. I'll go to you to Herod's house. I'll go to you to Pilate's kingdom. I'll walk with you when they whip you. I'll be right beside you. They can whip me too. I'll go with you to the cross. If they got to string me up next to you, let them string me up. I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. Lord, my time is valuable. 
Is that what he said? In, in roundabout? Thank you, Sister Buford, you got it. But here's the key. Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over and pray. And then he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrow and troubled. And he said to those three, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. That word watch indicates he wanted them to pray. And he went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He came back to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came, and he found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed the third time, saying the same words again. And then he came to his disciples and said unto them, Sleep, take your rest later on. The hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of, of the sinner. Rise and let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. Judas walked down with a whole cohort from the, from, from the, uh, 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 the, the synagogues and the temples. And Judas planted that betrayal kiss on Jesus and they bound him up and they took him away. John went with him side by side as close as he could. Peter held back a little bit. The rest of the disciples were scattered. We have no idea where they went. But Peter was finding himself on the outskirts now. John went in to the, to the trials, but Peter is warming himself by the fire, too concerned about his own comforts and his own uh, way of life than to be close to Jesus. And while he's out there, a little girl taps him on the shoulder and says, hey, weren't you somebody with Jesus? And Peter said, no, no, you must be thinking of someone else. A little bit later, someone else says, you know what, you, 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 I really think you were one of those that walk with Jesus. And Peter kind of curses under his breath and says, leave me alone. And then finally, the group of those around that, that burn barrel said, no, you talk like him and you act like him. I know you were there. And Peter cusses him out. And about that time, the rooster crows. And Peter realized that because he could not spend one hour of prayer with Jesus, there was no way he was going to endure to the end. Can I tell you something right now? You cannot look me in the eye and say, I'll go wherever you want me to go, Jesus, if you can't make time with him a priority. The time you spend at church is getting you ready. The time you spend at a Bible study is getting you ready. The time you spend in devotion and prayer in fasting and reading your Bible is getting you ready until one day maybe you'll be able to stand on an upper room balcony and begin to preach the word of God. But you've got to learn to invest your time for to whom or to whom much is or to whom whew, to whom much is given. Much is required. Let me, let me show you this. Why would I want to hand you $1,000 if I loaned you $5 and you lost it? I'd rather see you be faithful in those small things. 
so that you might be a ruler of many. Some of you, and, 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 and I've had this in all of my ministry. For some of you, you looked at me and you said, Pastor, I want to be used of God. Pastor, I want my life to matter in the kingdom of God. I can't think of any more noble profession than for you to say that. That doesn't mean you're going to preach. It doesn't mean you're going to go be an evangelist. But you've, you've looked at me and you said, Pastor, I want to be used of God. And I say that is incredible and I'm thankful for that. But you better learn to invest your time now before you have some title or some calling. Because the time you invest now will determine how usable you are in the future. Tonight, in just a moment, we're going to gather and we're going to take some time in this communion. In this communion, there, and, and I have used this uh, in, in many ways over the last 10 years that, that we've done communion, and I'm, I believe this is it's for sure my 10th year as pastor that I have done communion. In some of those years, we did multiple communions. And I have used something I found from a, a pastor in South Africa. His name is Herman Abrams, and, and he has four things that he talks about, and I like to use it when it comes to communion. He says there are four looks when it comes to communion. You've got to look back. You've got to look inward, you've got to look around, and you've got to look ahead. Most of those are dealing with our relationship with God. We need to look back and see where God has brought us from and realize that he died on the cross and while we were yet without strength, Christ died for the ungodly and greater love hath no man than this, than that which he would lay down his life for his friends. And we look back and we see all of the sacrifice that God has done. But tonight I want to invite you to take a different look back. Not to deny the work of the cross, not to deny the work of God's spirit, but I want to encourage you, I want you to look back and see where God has brought you from. I want you to look at your life. Where did you start from? Where did you start this journey at? What were you doing? How were you acting? How were you spending your time? And then... I want you to look inward. Again, most of this, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, let a man examine himself, and so let him drink, eat of the bread and drink of that cup. And I realize that that inward look first has to start, as David said in, in the Psalms, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my sin and cleanse me from my iniquity. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before thee. I realize there has to be an inward look of, Lord, am I saved? Am I living right? Is there any sin in me? Search me, O God. But today, what I could I ask you to take it a step further? Yes, examine, is there any sin in your life? Examine, are you living right? But I also want you to look in, and I want you to take stock of what you're doing for Christ. What have you invested thus far? What have you given to Him? What have you put, what have you sought the kingdom so that He might do other things in your life? Then, the third look is we look around. Again, 
1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16 says, When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we shall all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. I'm convinced the longer that I live, this is one of the most important parts of communion that sometimes is overlooked. And while I realize that there is a time and a place for a personal communion and there's a time and a place maybe at a nursing home where a saint can't come to church and a pastor would go there and do communion just for one person, but could I tell you communion was never intended to be a private thing. Communion was always meant to be shared in the body of Christ. You look around. Do that. Take a look. Look at who's beside you. Turn around. Look who's behind you. This is the body of Christ. And so I ask you today, have you invested in the body of Christ? You'll never know how much it means to this pastor, not because I I look and say, oh man, look, I'm a good pastor. But no, you'll never know what it means when I am up here and I watch somebody walk to the front, not because they need prayer, and if you do, I'm going to pray for you and I want that to happen. But I like it when somebody just walks to the front and just lifts their hand. You'll never know how much that blesses me to watch and see your worship. That's investing in the kingdom of God. This morning, I don't do it every Sunday, but I do try to do it often. But this morning, I walked into every Sunday school class, and I saw all of you teachers. Two classes had screaming kids in them. There was a little bit of separation anxiety going on. In the nursery, one poor kid, I won't tell you who it was, but one poor kid was on the floor with his face going, ah! I went to the toddler class, and they were running out the door, And I see you teachers day in and day out. But it's not babysitting when I look at it. I see someone investing in the children. And even though in the nursery it doesn't seem like they catch anything, and maybe even in the toddler class they're not really catching anything, but I'm going to tell you you're investing in them, and when they get to this age, it'll be a whole lot better because somebody invested some time. When I walk in and Brother... Sorrels is taking attendance and I watch him doing that faithfully day in and day out. I don't see someone just doing a job. I see someone that's investing their time. The greeters that shake my hand, and I do, I try to get out there because normally I come in early and I come through that door, but I try at least every week and sometimes most services, I walk back there, I want to shake your hand because you are investing time in the kingdom of God. On Wednesdays when I gather and and I'm here and I'm just doing work around the office and I look out on the security camera and I see the ladies that got up and came to a ladies Bible study. I don't see people who just want to come and hang out. I see people that are investing their time in the body of Christ. When you play an instrument or you sing a song or you lead worship or you take the offering or you're back there in the sound room and the media or you teach a class or whatever you do for the kingdom of God doesn't go unnoticed because you've invested your time. When you come to church and you don't have a job but you came to church 
and you put an arm around somebody or you said, Brother Don, how you doing today? I had you on my heart. I was thinking about you. I was praying for you. Those are not idle words. You are investing in the kingdom of God and on this day of consecration, I want you to look around at who's around you and realize there is ample opportunity for you to invest your time in the body of Christ. And the fourth look is we look ahead. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. And I realize that that is probably the most uh, right way to, to examine that forward look. But again today, I'm going to ask you this. I want to ask, would you look ahead And would you, I've asked you to look behind you, and I've asked you to examine where has God brought you from. I've asked you to look inwardly, and Lord, what am I doing for you right now? I've asked you to look around and say, Lord, how can I invest in the body of Christ? And while I'm not denying the fact that we eat this in remembrance of God's sacrifice, and we look forward to the time that we can be with Him, I want to ask you this as you look ahead. What do you want to do for him going forward? I hope you have some plans. I I hope and pray that there are people in this room that even if you've not told anybody, you say, Lord, when 2018 ends, I want to be closer and I want to be farther along in my journey and I want to have seen you more, and I want, ha- I want to have done more. Maybe you've never taught a home Bible study, but you want to this year. That's looking ahead. Maybe you used to sing in the choir, but this year you say, I'd like to get back into doing that. That's looking ahead. Maybe you say, God, I, I want to just get more involved in the church and the kingdom. That's looking ahead. I want to ask you today, what are you looking forward to? If you have no hopes and dreams in the kingdom of God forward past this day, you're stagnant. If you just say, I'm going to just do whatever I've always done and I'm just going to kind of sit here, you're stagnant. But I will tell you that each one of us, no matter what it is, and I know that that there are different moments and there are different times and there are different uh, uh, periods of our life. And so not everybody's going to be able to do it. Brother Sponsor, I kind of don't think you'll ever get back up and roof a church building again. Your time probably has passed for that. But I'll tell you, he's faithful in a lot of other things. Because I look at our elders and realize that while you may not be able to do this, you're not content just to be stagnant. And you do have, this is what I want to do. For the kingdom of God. I remember, and I know I use Sister Mays, and I miss her every once in a while. I see her out to eat, but as her health deteriorated, she needed to be with her, her daughter, and so she attends church with her daughter so that they can take care of her. She has a lot of health issues and things like that. But I saw her the other day. Uh, I think my dad and I were out to eat at, at St. Louis Bread Company, and Sister Mays, she came to me. Uh, she's probably getting close to 90 years old now, and she said, she said and she always, still calls me pastor, She says, Pastor, I can't do a lot for the kingdom of God, but I pray for you every day. That's her investment of time. Why don't you close your eyes right now? Father, I'm so, I I understand more than anything that, that none of this church can happen except that you died on the cross 
for my sins. None of this is possible except that you were buried in that borrowed tomb. None of this church and the lighthouse and the future and the growth and the revival, none of it's possible except that on an Easter Sunday you arose and you conquered and none of it's possible except that you ascended back into heaven. None of it's possible except that you poured out your spirit on the day of Pentecost. God, I I understand that and please forgive me. I don't want to ever overlook it. But God, I, I also realize that You've done an incredible thing, and I do think there's something that you and I need to do as well. And I.